Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. Next Saturday. So Saturday coming up, we're having our Bible workshop. So we had a prayer workshop in January. This one is going to be a Bible workshop. And um, in this, basically, um, I felt like the Lord say, hey, let's, let's teach people what they need to know so they can succeed. So we started with prayer and now we're with the word. So um, I, I feel like we're going to do a, um, I kind of get to put this one together. So we're going to do some, uh, we're going to do an actual Bible study, like in the class. We're going we're gonna to learn some things and then we're going to actually do a study as the class. And we're going to see what God shows us that's hidden in his word. How many of you have been reading the word more lately than you have in a while? Like, and what happens when you read the word? It comes alive. You want more. It comes alive. It's like, whoa, I've read that like 10 times. Surely I've read that 100 times and I didn't see that. How did I not see that? That's the word because the word is alive. They're not, they're not black and white and red letters on a page. It's Jesus, the word made flesh. And as we read this, Jesus is revealed to us from the beginning to the end. You're going to learn this in the Bible workshop. Did you know Jesus shows up even in the Old Testament? Uh-oh, I'm going to wreck your theology. Jesus is all through this word, all right? Come on, and you're going to learn about this. Like This word is about Jesus and the, bride and the bridegroom. Come on. Anyway, Bible workshop. I'll get excited. I'll start talking about that. Open your Bible, speaking of, to uh, 3 John, almost at the very end of the New Testament. Um, Third John, it only has one chapter, small little, small little book here. <clears throat> we'll also be in John chapter 10, the gospel of John, and I will also read uh, Psalm 84. So I just want to pray. So if you bow your heads, I used to pray this prayer. So I'm just going to ask you to, to pray this with me. Father God, I ask you to release in this house a spirit of revelation that we may all know you better. Amen. And before I go on, I got to say last week, if you missed it, you missed a great message. Oh my goodness. Come on. About time and seasons, Shagoon hit it out of the park on Kronos and Kairos. There's a big difference. If you don't know what that is, go ask him. Go listen to the message. Watch it on, on YouTube. Kronos and Kairos. Like we've, been, we've even hit a few things how all through the scripture, people stepped into this Kairos moment. They were there where they were supposed to be doing what they were supposed to be doing and they saw God show up, right? There are these moments in life. There, some moments are bigger than others. Some moments are bigger than others. And so Shagun knocked that out of the park last week. And so thank you, Shagun, again. Wonderful word. All right, Third John, I'm going to read the second verse. You will know this. You've heard this quoted many times. And um, Third John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Would you read, what, read that with me? It doesn't matter the translation. Will you just read it out loud? Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Amen? John chapter uh, 10, verse 7. We're going to read 7 through 11. It says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Come on, he's the door. 
And he says, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Uh Uh-oh. He says, but the sheep didn't hear them because I am the door. And he says, if anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved. Saved. Everyone say saved. saved. That word there is sozo. It means saved, healed, delivered, all right? Whew. And then look at this next line. So if he enters by me, the door, Jesus, then he will be saved and he will go in and out and find good pasture. Oh, come on, he will find pasture. And then the verse that we know really well, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. And then he says one more time, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd will give his life for his sheep. So I want you to hear how God feels about us. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Jesus saying, I am the door. I am the shepherd, the good shepherd. If you'll come through me, you will enter into good pasture. The thief out there is trying to steal from you. He's trying to kill you. Amen. Hank said it a minute ago. He wants to take you out. He hates you. And the only safe place from him is in Christ. There's no other safe place. There's no like place where we can say, well, we're not in the war. We're just sitting this out. We're in a timeout. No, we're either in Christ or we're pray for the enemy. Like, oh, it's not that serious. It is that serious. It's that serious. It's so serious that God sent Jesus. And that Jesus, when he looked at, over Jerusalem, he wept because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. They were wandering around as a, as a group of people wide open to the attacks of the enemy, not realizing if they would just come to him, he would gather them like a mother hen would gather her chicks under his wings and protect them. But he's like, but you wouldn't let me. And so I need you to understand to start off, God's purposes for you are to prosper you and for you to be in good health. The enemy, the thief, the liar, the robber, his only intentions for you are harm. God's only intentions are for prospering and good. The enemy's only intentions are harm. Come on. Psalm 84, 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Come on. He is light and he is a shield of protection. And it says, the Lord bestows favor and honor. And then I love this part right here. I need you to hear God's heart for you. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk blamelessly. No good thing does he withhold from you. Sadly, there have been times in my life where I felt like God was holding out on me. Where I've even made foolish statements like, God, I know you could do something about this. How come you're not? And what I'm really doing in those moments is I'm accusing God. And who's the accuser? So I'm acting like my father in that moment, Satan. Because I'm accusing the man, the, the, the man, the God who loves me. Come on. Who only has good intentions for me. And what I have to realize in those seasons is this is not, this is not God harming me. 
there's an enemy somewhere and I've missed it. He slipped in somewhere. I thought I had my alarm set. Come on. Simply Safe was all set and ready to go, whatever your alarm system is. I thought I had it all on. Every door, I thought every, every area was covered. I had, I had my front door, my eyes were covered, my ears were covered, my mouth, my rear guard, every part of me was covered. I thought I was safe and somehow he slipped in and now he's stealing from me. Who's stealing from me? It's not God. Who's withholding from me? It's not God, it's the enemy. Stealing, killing, destroying. And somewhere I've given him access. Like, oh no, I would never give him access. But here's the thing. It's not so obvious when we give him access. Ooh, he's a snake. And he whispers little things in our ears. And he lies to us. And he makes them sound so beautiful. And we, without even knowing, we're under his spell. It's like, oh, I love it when you tell me your beautiful lies. See, the poverty spirit is at war with God's intentions for our life. And a poverty spirit, it says it on the, on the, on the screen up there. A poverty spirit is not a demon that takes possession of a person. Listen to me. A poverty spirit is not a demon named poverty who comes to our house and breaks in. Poverty spirit is a lie. It is a lie that affects the way we think because it is leaven. If I believe a little bit of the lie, it, the Bible says leavens the whole lump. So poverty, you're like, well, I don't think I have a poverty spirit. I, I, I would say, man, I don't think I have a poverty spirit until I take a deeper look into what I really believe about certain things. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm believing a lie. And I have entertained the spirit of poverty to come in. And what I have done is I've literally invited it in by the way I'm thinking. I heard uh, this last week. So Jordan Peterson, he's a, some of you know who he is. Some of you may not. He's a famous psychologist, a famous speaker, um, He's fallen in love with God. And he's in a lot of trouble in Canada for saying things that are true. Like there are two genders. <laughs> and when you, when you put a, anyway, I'm not gonna go that far. He says something, he got in trouble for saying things that were, we all would believe are true. And he's saying the problem is right now is society is lying to us. The whole, the whole culture of the world system is lying to people. And he says, you can't be lied to and not be tortured. Yeah. And that, that hit me hard. He says, you know why there's such mental illness right now in our culture? Because we're being lied to constantly. And lie, lying is a torture to the soul. I love that we sing that song, My Soul Sings Today. I thought, yes, Kyle, Kyle was on it. He knew we needed to sing from our soul because some of us have had, have had lies creep in and our souls are being tortured. And the Lord wants to set captives free today. Because believing a lie tortures the soul. Yeah. 
You can't tell a whole culture that there are more than two genders and it not cause mental, mental anguish and illness because it's against the, the, uh, it's against the order and boundaries of God. We can't stick our nose up and flick our nose at God and it not be, not be torturous to us because lies cause torture. And this torture of believing a lie will come in the form of a poverty spirit. Next week, I'm gonna talk about another spirit that comes in. But today I'm going to talk about a poverty spirit. And it is a lie that we believe that, that creeps its way into our thinking and it affects every part of us and it, be, and it brings torture with it. The way it gains access to us is we, we give attention to it. Because listening directs our attention. If Mandy called my name, say my name, babe. So sorry, she's never mind. If she says my name, I look to her and I'm giving her my attention. I'm listening. I hear you. That's why he says, My sheep know my voice. That's why he says, Turn to me. Repent and turn to me. Turn. Turning is listening. When we when we turn to something, we're listening to something. We're giving our attention to that thing. Because listening directs our attention and it influences what we seek after. And we always will find what we seek after. So if I have believed a lie, now I am aware of this lie and this lie begins to affect how I think. And now I begin to listen more to this lie. And now guess what I start doing? I start looking for ways for this lie to be made true in my life. Because we can't live with this dissidence of lies and truths with inside of us. Listen to me. <laughs> it works this way too. When we are transformed by the blood of Jesus and we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, he transforms us because all of the lies that we once believed have now come under the influence of the truth, capital T. And it begins to convert all the lies we believed into the truth. We become transformed. We become a whole new creation. It's the same thing that happens slower Whenever we believe a lie, it comes in and tries to untie the things we believe that are true. It comes in and tries to testify to you that the thing that you've been believing is also a lie and it tries to untie it and our soul can't handle it. It's called cognitive dissidence. You can't believe two opposing things at the same time. We cannot serve God and mammon. And so this lie creeps in, we begin to believe it, and it has, it's like a virus that creeps in through our thinking and it begins to affect, and then we begin to even question God. And we begin to live from a place of deficit and from a place of poverty, not knowing that God owns everything. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So when I believe the lie, the lie goes deep into my heart and I begin to contemplate and think about it and look for ways. I want to go back and say this again. When I believe a lie, I will begin to look for ways to make what I believed true because I can't handle it being a lie, even if it's a lie. You're like, how do people fall into such crazy sin? Because a lie comes in and they have to make that lie true A person cannot say one thing with their mouth and another thing with their heart. It doesn't work. Sweet water and bitter water cannot come from the same fountain. 
The Bible says in Luke 6, 43 through 45, a good tree bears, no good tree bears bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. A a tree is recognized by its own fruit. And it says a good man brings forth the good things that are stored up in his heart. But an evil man brings up the evil things stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. You're like, well, if I would just positively confess enough, then it will, it will change me. It can't. Trust me here. Positive confession cannot affect anything until my heart agrees with what my mouth is saying. There has to be agreement in my heart, in the inner secret place. I can say all I want. I'm six foot eight, and I, I can say it all I want. Positive confession. I can hang from a bar in my room. I can make my, try to make my hair grow. Okay, come on, baby. You're going to grow again. You're going to have beautiful hair. You're going to have hair like Matthias. Come on. You know, it doesn't matter. I can confess it all I want, but unless there's an agreement internally where truth resides, Whatever I say out of my mouth is going to cancel out what's going on in here. Our heart has to be changed. Like, well, how do I, how do I change the way I think? I have to change my heart. My heart has to come to a, a place of complete repentance before God. And when I turn to him and repent, then he says times of refreshing will come. That sounds way better than times of torture. Times of refreshing will come. Amen. There's a term that I've been hearing a lot lately. It's, it's a term called captured. And, and you hear it in all kinds of contexts. It's kind of, I pay attention to this kind of stuff. I listen to a lot of uh, podcast books, political stuff, uh, news things. And then you start hearing these weird new words pop up and you're like, what, are, what does that mean? And it's a word called captured, okay? And so basically what an industry would like to do is to capture its audience, Okay, let's say it's the cable company. Well, what they want to do is they want to buy up all the other little subsidiaries. So no matter what you do, you're still captured by the cable company or the electricity company or fill in the blank, name it. Like, well, I think I'm acting out on my own. And you find out, well, that company's owned by that big company that I didn't want to be part of because they've captured us. What they've done is they've set up gates everywhere. And they're like, yeah, you feel like you get to move here or there. You think you're free and choosing, but really we're playing a bigger game than you are and you're captured. And the term is coming up everywhere in media, in Hollywood, in education. Um, it's, it's like they're removing the options and the freedoms by capturing the other gates that are connected to that place. Does that make sense? So what the enemy does is he tries to capture us. He wants to seize us, possess us. He wants to cause us to be under his control. And so what I feel, I was praying uh, earlier this week and I was like, just talking to the Lord, asking him some questions like, hey, what's going on here? What's going on there with the church? What can we do? And he, he he said a couple of things to me. One of them I'm gonna speak about next week. It's connected to today. But he started talking to me about this. He's like, my people are captured with a poverty spirit. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, well, what does that, what does that look like? And so I wanted to just go down a list of things to make it obvious. Like maybe it's obvious now. It's like, man, I'm tortured. I'm clearly being tortured right now. So poverty has come in somewhere. But I want to define what it looks like because look, 
the American church, ha- I, this is the best word for it. Well, no. The American church has taken the prosperity gospel, the gospel which is prosperity, and made it one note. And that note doesn't work everywhere. Like, I love the idea of, oh, you should have 10 streams of income and you should be the head and not the tail and you should run the business and not work for the business. I love all of that stuff, but that doesn't work in third world countries. Like, how can I preach that as the gospel So we attach to it what our heart loves, which is money. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to prosper us because he does. Because here's the thing. If I will live my life according to the way he wants me to live, I will prosper. If I'm a good steward, he will entrust me with even more. These are true things. So what's a poverty spirit look like? What does it look like if I'm captured by a poverty spirit? And again, remember, captured could mean I think I'm free, but I'm still under the influence of this thing. I think I made a decision, but I'm still under the umbrella of this thing, all right? The first way I can know, and I'm just gonna say it straight off, rip the Band-Aid off. If I do not obey God with my tithes and my offerings, I'm captured by a poverty spirit period. There's just no way around it. The Bible, the Bible is true. I mean, Malachi 3 says it very plainly. How have you robbed God in your tithes and offerings? Well, if I'm robbing God, I can't be blessed by God. Because I'm, here's the crazy thing about this. If I'm stealing from God the thing that I think I need, I'm so undercutting what God would want to do for me. Like, I, I'm stealing from, oh, I need that hundred dollars, God. Whatever, I'm just using this as an easy example. I need this $100 and I'm gonna take it from you. And God may have been like, man, I was gonna give you 500, but man, you wanna steal 100. But it's true. And I know the church is, God has blessed this house, right? God has blessed the people of this house. Like this isn't about, we need to see our giving increase. That's not what this is. This is, I don't want you tortured. We don't give our money so the church can be better. We give our money because we love the Lord and we want to please him. And when we obey him in our tithes and offerings, he says, I will not withhold anything and I'll open the windows of heaven over you. And then guess what else he says will happen? There will be bread in my house. Oh, I want you to think about it for a second. What is the bread represented in the Bible? Jesus said, I'm the bread. So, so wait a second. We can have revival just by simply obeying God in our finances? Yep, I do believe that. Some of you may, like, I don't know. I, I, it's right there. Test me and see that there may be bread in the house. Bread, Jesus, that the presence of my son will be in your house. Whoo. And what happens is this thing comes in and I know I've been there. I've stolen a check from God before. Like, hey God, I can't pay my tithe here. I can't, I gotta pay this bill. This bill has to be paid or they're gonna come put me in jail. Yeah, right. I have to do this, so I have to do this thing. Oh my goodness, what a dumb thing to do. And it counsels us. Oh, you, you know better what to do with that than God does. That's really what it is. Like, whoa, wait a second. 
that would be like me saying, okay, God, I don't need your help with my kids. I got it. I can handle my kids. I, I am the greatest, most wise dad ever. I don't need any of your input. I got this. Man, that, it's the same thing with the money or with our health. Hey, don't worry about it, God. I am in control of all my cells, all of my emotions. I got this. I don't need your input in my health. Relationships. Oh, don't worry about it. I got this one. I'm the, I am the, the, the love doctor. I'm the relationship doctor. <laughs> it's like telling God, I don't need your help. That's what we're doing when we don't pay our tithes and offering. Ouch. But that thing will lie to us and say, hey, you can't afford to do it. And see, it comes in and it lies and tries to influence us to believing that the money is really only safe in my hands. All right, next. Kind of goes a little bit with this, but a lack of generosity. If I have a hard time tipping, I might be under the influence of a poverty spirit. Now, okay, look, let's put a little caveat in here today. It's gotten out of hand. I I don't need to give you a tip everywhere I go, all right? I don't know if y'all have run into this in the marketplace. Everyone's like, hey, you want to give a tip? No, do you want to give me a tip for coming and picking up my food? Like, Like, it's okay, I get it. But if I have a problem being generous and tipping in places that it's appropriate, like, come on, maybe I'm under a poverty spirit. That's an easy one. But maybe I'm not a contributor. See, generosity can even show up in, in my letting people have my time or, or showing up when I'm present. Like, if I'm here, you're getting all of me, right? That's generous too. And a generous person contributes and it's not just a taker. Oh, man. It's like, those, I'm just gonna, I'm... I'm not going to apologize anymore. Y'all, y'all know me and love me. I'm just, it's like those old potlucks where that's the, that famous person shows up and they never bring anything, right? No, bring something. <laughs> Sorry. How do I know if I'm being captured by poverty spirit? I have a scarcity mindset. I have an, un, um, I have an unjustified fear that there will never be enough. There'll be enough for other people. There'll be enough, but not for me. There's not enough. There's never enough time. Uh-oh. There's never enough time. There's enough, never enough money. There's never enough food. There's never enough anything. It's a scarcity mindset. Poverty spirit lives with limited resources and limited options. So what it does is it shrinks the world to a smaller world. Y'all okay still? Ouch. You can say ouch. I'm saying ouch too. Um, how do I know I've been captured by poverty spirit? I don't see an opportunity or a way out. Like, oh, I'm trapped in this job. No, you're not. You are not trapped in your job. Are you a hard worker? That's step one. Be a good worker. Step two, ask the Lord. He will give you, he'll give you a better job. Come on, you're not trapped where you are. Well, I'm trapped in this, in this house. I'm trapped in this debt. I'm trapped. No, you're not trapped. That is a lie. You are not trapped. Come on. If the sun makes you free, you're free indeed. You're not trapped. You have options. 
Single people, you have options. Oh, I don't know where I'm going to meet someone. You are not trapped. Come on. The Lord dropped my wife into Chili's and made me love Chili's. <laughs> you all got stories where God did some crazy stuff to get what you needed into your life. You are not trapped. Look up. Come on, look up. The poverty spirit is rooted, rooted in a victim mindset. So here's how we know we're under that influence of the poverty spirit. We focus on what we don't have. We're always looking at what everyone else has and comparing it to what we don't have. That's a poverty spirit. Don't do that. Run your own race. Be happy and thankful for what the Lord has given you. Steward it well. You're like, well, I've got a, a thousand square foot home for five of us to live in. Make it the most peaceful, happy place you can make it. Seriously. The Lord is faithful. He will take you out of, come on. I've seen him do it. Anyone else? The poverty spirit, the victim mindset work together and they cause us to feel like we can't be blessed or we can't get ahead. Anyone ever said that before? Man, we just can't get ahead. Anyone? Man, poverty spirit has captured our thinking somewhere. A couple more real quick and we'll close. We begin to think that other people are our source. My workplace, my neighbor, my generous dad, my rich uncle, they're my source, man. I just need to go to them and they just need to help me out. Stop it. Stand up. Dust yourself off. Do the right things. It may be a longer process, but you will feel better about it. All right, you good? That goes to the next one. I can tell I'm captured by a poverty spirit if I take shortcuts. Do you know why we take shortcuts? Because we really don't trust God. Hey, Abram and Sarai, you're going to have a kid. Well, man, we're already old. So let's just make this happen. Shortcut, poverty spirit. Did God not say, did God not promise he would take care of you? Did he not say you're worth more than the sparrows? They don't toil. They don't worry. They don't spin. And what does the Bible say? Look at the lilies of the field. They're not even as beautifully dressed as Solomon in all of his wealth and riches. And you're worth more. Come on. Don't take shortcuts. We look for reasons to prove that we have a disadvantage in life. Ouch. That's a hard one. Because that's, that's American culture right now. Victim mentality. How can my problem be someone else's fault? <laughs> All right. Promise a couple more. I'm jealous of other people when they get blessed. Ooh. Instead of rejoicing when, when they rejoice, I'm jealous. I'm like, oh man, well, I've wanted that longer than they've wanted that thing. I've needed this. I'm way more in need than they are. Woo, always. I'm always way more in need than that other person. Always. I always need it more than they need it. I am always more desperate than they could be. All right. Hoarding. 
see all those funny shows on TV. We love to collect and store things, but we don't store up treasures in heaven. I don't know. I got 17 of those things. I don't need them, but I got them in case I ever need them, but I won't because they're worthless. (laughs) If my first reaction to financial issues is worry, or if I feel guilty about spending money, I probably have been captured by a poverty spirit. Why? Because if I try to save my own life, I will lose it. That is the poverty spirit, trying to save my own life. It's closing the fist to preserve rather than surrendering to God and putting everything in his hands. Don't we trust God? Like, yeah. Like all, we could spend the rest of time telling of God's faithfulness just from this small group in this room of what God's done. And then as we would tell stories and new ones would come to our remembrance and we'd be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I forgot when he did this. We could spend the rest of our lives doing that. Yeah, we get in the middle of a crisis and we can't think of one thing God's done for us. That's a poverty spirit. Because thankfulness, thankfulness keeps at the front of my mind what God has done, what God has said, what he will do again. Come on. Y'all good? So why, why talk about this? Because Jesus does not want anyone to be tortured anymore. of any kind of torture. If someone came in today or if someone is here today and they're tortured by demons and they manifested, which of us would not stop and pray and lay hands on them and deliver them? Because we would see the torture. Like the man said, often it takes my son and it throws him into the lake to try to drown him. It takes him and tries to throw him into the fire to kill him. And Jesus had mercy on that father and that son. Wouldn't we do the same thing, right? A poverty spirit is evil. It should be handled the same way. I should feel as much compassion for for anyone or you should feel as much compassion if you see poverty in me as if I was... Uh, if I was in need like those obvious needs. And when we were praying and prepping for this week, this is, this is all we could think of. It's like, we want people to be released from torture today. That's why Hank and Ashley prayed into that. Like, hey, if you're being constantly tortured, you, you recognize we did that on purpose. We wanted, to, we wanted people to be released from torture Jesus said, he told us, I wrote it here in my my notes so that I don't forget. He told us to preach the gospel with power. He told us to set captives and prisoners free, to loosen the chains of the oppressed, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the sick, to mend the brokenhearted, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to comfort those who mourn, to cleanse lepers, to call everyone to repentance, to baptize all who believe and to disciple nations. He told us to do those things because he loves us and we are his. The only thing that we can do is repent. That's it. That's the solution. So stand with me.
we're gonna do three things to end, okay? The first thing is we're going to repent. I'm just gonna make sure, like, okay, maybe, Lord, I thought I repented all week of this. I'm gonna make sure. (laughs) I'm gonna do it one more time. We're gonna repent. And then we're gonna break agreement with any lies we've believed. And we're gonna ask him to replace it with truth. The three things we're gonna do. So the first thing is, everyone where you are, will you just pray a prayer of repentance to God for having a poverty spirit infiltrate to lie to you? Yeah. is just turning to him. Just turn your heart toward him. Turn your love on toward him. Yeah, I love you, God. I turn to you. I confess. Yeah, I've had poverty thinking. I've believed poverty lies. And it's tortured me. Jesus, come. Have mercy on us. (laughs) We sing Hosanna earlier. Lord, save us. Lord, come. Save us. Hosanna. Deliver us from the evil one. Holy Spirit, convict us. We repent of our sin of believing lies about you, God. Forgiving room for the poverty spirit to worm its way into our mind and to torture our souls. We want to be free. We want to be free. I want to be free. don't want to be captured by anything but you, God. (laughs) Now we're going to break agreement with lies. Maybe as I read through that list or as I talked... The Holy Spirit revealed, oh my goodness, yeah, that's, that's you or that's, that's been a thought you've had recently. Confess that to the Lord. Recognize it as a lie and break agreement with it. I throw that lie away right now. I catch it. I check it. I change it. Come on. I take captive those thoughts. God, those thoughts that were not from you, I break agreement with them. Yeah, come on, just take just a moment.
confess and break the lies. I always see this when I think of breaking lies. I see it like the, the puppet master, the marionettes. You know, it's making, it's making it dance. But man, if you cut the strings, the marionette has no life to it. So the lies are the strings. They're thin. They're insignificant. They don't have any power. So I just see him now just with a giant pair of scissors and he's cutting the lies, the strings that we've believed in our minds and in our hearts about God and about ourselves, about our lives. Yes, God, we come to you. Cut the lies out. Come on. Cut the strings of lies that have manipulated us. And the third thing now, we ask for God to replace the lies with truth. So if there was a specific lie that you believed about God, we need you to tell God, God, I believed this before, but I know this is really true about you. It's important that we say it like that. I believed this before and it was a lie, but I believe this is true about you. Yeah. I believed this lie before. You revealed the truth, and I agree with your truth. I believe you. I agree with you. That's what repentance is. It's changing our thinking. I agree with you, God. Would you just say that? I agree with you, God. <laughs> I agree with you, God. And the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Ooh. <laughs> Would you pray that over yourself? I will know the truth and the truth will make me free. Now, always when we repent, fruit is required. It always requires fruit. So from this day forward, I'm going to live differently. Like when those lies, those thoughts come in, I will not come into agreement with them. I will catch it. They teach this in the nursery. This is perfect though. I will catch the thought. I will check it. God, was this from you? Okay, if it's from you, I'm hiding it in my heart because that's where it belongs. But if it's not from you, I'm changing it for your thoughts. Catch it, check it, change it. Oh, I love it. It works. And then get his thoughts. And then as our thoughts are shaped by him, it will begin to direct the way we live. 
If I believe God was withholding from me, I would be stingy. I would act out in stinginess. If I believe God is generous, I will act out in generosity. It is the fruit of repentance. Amen? And I want to say this one more time. God does not want you to be tortured by the enemy. It's really insulting to God for an enemy who has been disarmed to torture people that he paid a full price for. Would you pray for your neighbor, please? Would you bless them? God, that they would prosper and be in good health. Come on. Even as your soul prospers.